0: You know the feeling of waking up at night and reaching out for your phone to see what time it is, and suddenly you find yourself scrolling through your social media feed? Or even worse, when you're in a conversation with a friend and you can't ignore your smartphone screen lighting up on the table. Or maybe that feeling when you're watching a series on Netflix, knowing that it's late, and yet you watch another episode. It isn't new that we're becoming more and more digitalized. But are we becoming addicted? There's no denying the importance of digitalization in the years to come. But what is all this screen time actually doing to our brains and our mental health for that matter? And how is excessive use of tech affecting children? In this episode, we'll meet a professional gamer and a neuroscientist. Together, we'll explore what happens when kids become drenched in tech. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit, schools around the world, from Shanghai to Seattle to Santiago de Chile, had to send their students home. But the teaching didn't stop. Instead, kids across the planet have been spending hours every day in online schooling, all alone in front of the computer. Suddenly, chatting with friends during breaks and after-school activities was replaced by social media platforms and online games. As adults, we've gotten used to remote working and online meetings. But what about our kids? How is this affecting them? Are they becoming tech addicted?
1: We give you a role. We give you quest. We give you reward when you're successful. We help you raise your level. And all this RPG kind of uh, vocabulary is getting slowly into the education. And I think that's one of the very good sides. Because in games, we know how to keep people engaged. And... Being engaged can be too engaged, but for education, when you're engaged, it can also be positive.
2: We are really seeing, you know, biological changes in the brain uh, as we watch too much screen.
0: These voices belong to Julien Barres and Kim Moritzen. Julian is a professional gamer and vice president of Tencent Gaming. And Kim is a professor at Aarhus University in Denmark. While they're miles apart, this encounter is live-streamed from a Nordic Talks event held in a virtual reality conference room. Using a digital avatar, Kim joins the virtual room from Denmark, while Julien and his avatar connect from Shanghai. The Nordic Talk was arranged by the Innovation Center Denmark in Shanghai and Seoul, together with CopenX, a group working for the future use of technology. The recordings were done when most of the world was still under lockdown. And while the pandemic was getting slightly more under control in some parts of the world, the concern about kids spending hours isolated in front of computers was still spreading.
1: In China, I I feel we we saw two things. Um, The first thing is uh, six months ago, all the schools were closed and uh, everybody moved from having a real school to have uh, like a virtual school. So what happened is um, uh, we, at the beginning, and people were kind of, they didn't know how to proceed and everything. And very shortly, some solution uh, like uh, Zoom-like, uh, like uh, recorded um, lecture, like uh, interactive meeting, like chat and everything. I mean, what was very fascinating is the panel of tools that usually are used for, I say, work, for which are productive tools for work, were being transferred to the school uh, system. So... You had like PowerPoint, you had like conference call, you had everything, and everything went to school. And the consequences of that is, I think it was partially positive because uh, it was a way to keep school afloat and to make sure that kids are still having a rhythm, they still learn and everything. And of course, depending on the teachers, but I think it's the same in the real school. Some were actually producing incredible uh, material and uh, were very active socially. Virtually to, to to teach the kids um, what they were supposed to learn. At the same time, after a few months, uh, for my kids, uh, it was it's an international school in Shanghai, but it was basically the same for all the school. After three months, uh, we found that the kids were actually a bit bored by the system. They were missing the social interaction with their friends, but they were also missing the social interaction in a class when you have a teacher and a class. And I guess this this energy that you have when you're You're having a teacher in front of uh, 20, 30, 40 people, whatever, was actually missing. And what we could see is after a while, I would say after six to seven weeks, uh, the kids were doing that like four, five hours a day, which is a lot in terms of digital learning. Their interest kind of dropped and they were harder and harder to convince that it was actually important and it was actually good for them.
2: Uh, Denmark uh, was was also very quick um, to take action uh, when uh, COVID broke out, and and I think that that has limited, um, you know, the, the damage that we have seen so far. Um, we we saw absolutely the same thing, and I think the. Uh, you know, the best examples I can give is that we have three kids at home uh, who, who also are supposed to to go to school. Um, wh- what I noted is, um, you know, the the first phase, you could say, of, um, you know, remote education was kind of passive. Um, so that was mostly a matter of, you know, getting students to attend and, and passively watch the, the teaching. And I think what, what teachers, um, you know, and also parents quickly realized is that it really takes a lot more engagement and obviously that's um, you know the the component that will always be missing um, mostly on a TV you could say so I think you know actually we you know with this digitalization we have the opportunity of a Making education a lot more engaging. Also, when we are talking about uh, remote education, so this is something um, that we saw really quick uh, engaging the students. um, You know, having face-to-face conversations with them. Also, requiring um, things from the students. Um, uh, What we also saw was, you know, many students were sent out into nature. You know, so basically getting them away from the TV or from the computer, getting them out and having them, you know, use their own devices to record, uh, you know, snippets from their everyday life. And and I think that that was a a very nice merge of, you know, technology and, uh, you know, real life.
0: Worrying about too much screen time is probably something that parents from China to the Nordic region can relate to. Getting kids away from their screens can be difficult, even when there's no online schooling. But what if all those long hours focusing on the screen turn out to be damaging our health and our brains? A recent Danish study shows that people are having a hard time distinguishing between things happening digitally and in real life, so to speak. How do we deal with this in an increasingly digitalized society? According to the European Digital Economy and Society Index, Finland is the most digitalized country in the world. Sweden and Denmark take second and third place in the 2020 rankings. Kim has studied the impact of the coronavirus on mental health and the effect of accelerated digitalization. He's also looked at children's brains to investigate the effects of online teaching during lockdowns.
2: So there are two ways to to approach this. One is to ask, you know, what is the behavioural changes? What can we actually see with these children? The other is what are sort of the subtle changes that occur in the brain as we basically watch too much uh, screen. And and what you could see there is that um, you know actually the the brain is um, you know from a sort of volumetric, so from the size of it, uh, it's quickly developed um, for, um, for for for. Um, Girls, for instance, the the largest size of the brain is actually at the age already of 11. But what happens from there is that all the connectivities, all the centers in the brain, they need to get wired together. And if that doesn't happen you know, uh, smoothly and naturally, uh, then we will start to see behavioral changes. And what the images showed were actually that, that this um, connectivity, the connection between the brain regions was suffering. And especially it was suffering between language areas. So we have several language areas in the brain. And what we saw was that it actually correlated with a poorer performance in language tests. But it also uh, influences the speed of our processing. So you could say our mental agility or or power also suffers with increased, um, uh, you know, screen time. So we are really seeing, you know, biological changes in the brain uh, as we watch too much screen.
0: Biological changes in the brain? That sounds kind of scary. But there must be something positive about digital learning, right?
1: I think games should be integrated in uh, learning because... Uh, what game are very good at and they have many downsides and we, we that's not the point to discuss about them tonight but what game are good at is about giving you a challenge with risk and uh, reward we give you a role we give you quest we give you reward when you're successful we help you raise your level and all this rpg kind of uh, vocabulary is getting slowly into the education and i think that's one of the very good side because In games, we know how to keep people engaged. And being engaged can be too engaged. But for education, when you're engaged, it can also be positive.
2: It's actually a, a really good point, I think, uh, Julian, you're making, that, um, you know, this uh, about, you know, stimulating and, and engaging kids to, to learn something, to do something, and then you mentioned uh, reward, uh, sort of, you know, the, the, the aim of that and sort of the reinforcement mechanism, you could say, and, you know, that that's a very critical mechanism, and it's actually critical for, for memory and for learning, um, it turns out. We don't have certain neurotransmitters that are stimulated as we engage in an activity. that It doesn't stick, uh, you know, so we can all remember what we did at, you know, certain key points in our life. And that's that's because there was a stimulation of certain neurotransmitters. Where we need to be, um, I guess, cautious is that this sort of reward-seeking behavior Uh, is actually one that, you know, kids are very exposed to and their brains are very sensitive uh, to this. So we know that in addiction, for instance, this is sort of an an overstimulation, you could say, of the reward system or the reward system is getting out of tune or out of sync. And so kids, for instance, they are especially vulnerable um, to this. So they don't have sort of the mental filters that we as adults do. So so I definitely agree with you that, you know, this is, uh, you know, at one time the key to learning. Um, but it's also essentially a key to addiction. And and that's one of the reasons that, you know, I feel we need to be uh, cautious.
1: We need to give our kids the tools to understand what they are doing. That's what education is all about. So if you see your kids is playing, you can say, okay, you don't play anymore, which is one way, but you can also do something else, which is play next to them and tell them, Oh, did you understand that here? It was not only a reward. It was also something they gave you. So they want you to play more. And I think that's part of our responsibility. I have another comment about what you say about the brain and everything. I feel like the prime of screen is we spend probably in China, people spend six to seven hours with their cell phone every day. Six or seven hours. This is just gigantic. And one of the things which we see with people spending a lot of time in front of their screen is they don't have to think anymore, you know? And I, I will take, I will quote, if you allow me, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, who was a coach of Manchester United, was saying that there is no point of uh, uh, training all day if you don't have some rest. And he was having this coach, which I like, which is uh, stress plus rest equals success. And I think you can apply the same for the screen. You know, if you're spending your life in front of a screen and you don't have downtime to think about it, to rest, as you mentioned, to let your brain just have some cool time, of course, you're you're like trying to, you're in a kind of overperformance. I don't know if you can call it this way. And I feel like that's when the the addiction is becoming uh, true. And that's when the screen time is becoming counterproductive.
0: I remember playing video games as a kid. I loved the feeling of winning and the excitement of competing. But it never occurred to me that getting a reward wasn't necessarily a good thing.
2: It's a balancing act, so you know it's a key to addiction, but it's also a key to learning. So, as with many other things in life, it needs to be used with moderation. You could say one of the you know things we are missing out on, um, you know, with digital education, for instance, is that there becomes a disconnect between our mental images of, you know, objects around us like we can see in this virtual auditorium and then how they actually feel in real life. And there's actually been a recent study that showed that um, kids who spend um, excessive time on the screen and learning basically from 2D, if you ask them questions like, you know, what's most pointy, a nail or a pin, uh, then basically they don't have any clue. So they lack that feeling for you know what what's actually in in our surroundings, um, so that's one thing we lose you know with digitization, um, but but certainly you know um, gamification as I said you know in, in in my own company we we also promote gamification as a way of understanding risk and and educating you know, um, adults and, and also kids. So so definitely um, something, you know, it's, it's a mechanism that needs to be there, but it's also very easy to overstimulate it, especially in kids.
0: Reducing screen time while at the same time using technology as a tool to learn and interact seems like a difficult balancing act. And what about the human need for face-to-face social interactions?
1: When you play a lot of games and if you play with other people, you may have the feeling for a while that you're having a very nice social experience, digital social experience. But the truth is, if you look back in your life, the best experience you have are when you're with people. I mean, when you're really with people. And I feel like the problem of the people who are isolating themselves is because they are incredibly shy. And unlike 30 years ago, they, they probably have um, are incredibly shy or incredibly not feeling good being with others, but these people always existed, you know. The, the, the change is the people who are shy or are socially, um, how can I say, uncomfortable, now they have a space where they can exist because they can hide behind a mask and everything. But I'm not sure it's isolating people more. It's, it's just letting people who are isolated uh, express themselves more, and we maybe we see them more. That's how I would f- understand that.
2: What I see is that, especially with youngsters who are playing video games, um, there's a huge social dimension to that. So there's all sorts of talks going on as they are playing. But I also note many times that um, those discussions get extremely heated and, you know, um, you, you see very angry attacks, uh, very hostile language. And I'm, I'm wondering, uh, on a personal note, whether this is something, you know, that sort of accelerated by the technology and something that wouldn't take place if we didn't have the technological platform. And then in turn, you know, the problem is if this is something that's then disseminated into society later on, that, you know, just as with the nails and the pins, you know, we get sort of a misconception about the boundaries of social interaction.
0: Finding the right balance isn't that easy. But like Kim and Julien say, moderation seems to be the answer. How can we recognize when tech is becoming a problem? And what should we do about it? This is the advice from Kim and Julien. I think,
2: you know, when it comes to uh, digitalization and especially sort of the risk of addiction, I think it's it's very important on the parent side to be curious, to be interested in what your child, children are doing. And I think one, one thing you can know, except from, you know, how much time they're spending and whether there's an increase in that, talk about their beliefs about gambling, talk about their beliefs about digitalization. So what we know is that the um, the language around gambling, uh, the, the beliefs about gambling are going to change as people are starting to become addicted. So for instance, if they start to talk about, you know, Uh, acquiring money, borrowing money, getting more money. If money is missing, you thought that you gave your child money for buying lunch and it appears that uh, that that turned out not to be the case. This is something that's important to note. If a child starts talking about, uh, ability to beat the game, to be better than the game, is also a big source for concern. Um, obviously, also note you know development uh, for the child whether this is progressing or seemingly coming to a halt. Um, so, as we saw with the sort of messy connections in the brain, I showed all the way in the beginning. This is really a sign that something is starting to change and that uh, natural development is coming to a stop. So, I think you know being very curious and, and concerned about your your child's development. Uh, noting changes in in language
1: and perception is something that's really important. Um, I think I mentioned that earlier, but my my call for action, my recommendation would be active with your kids or with the. Uh, what I mean is, um, the technology is not going to stop today, and it's going to progress a lot more, and there are going to be new revolution and everything. So I think if you're if you're concerned about the education of your kid, you have two ways you can prevent them from using these tools, which I think would be stupid because they are the tools of the future. Or you can actually expose this tool with them and try to experiment the tools yourself, try to understand, discuss these tools with them, you know. Um, I know a few people who complain about Fortnite who have actually played Fortnite. I'm talking about parents. Maybe they should. And that's how you can create the connection. And that's how you can actually actually get back to the social link uh, between kids and explain them that uh, digital is a fantastic opportunity, but it's not the... The only way to live your life, you know.
0: Next time I find myself getting distracted by the notifications popping up on my phone, I'll remember what Kim said about addiction. And maybe I'll even put my phone out of reach or on mute when spending time with friends. Depending on how long the pandemic goes on for, it might be difficult not to spend long hours in front of the screen. But just like Julien said... It can also be a good way to learn new things and interact with one another, as long as we're aware of the consequences. Check out our website, nordictalks.com, where you can read more about all the people that you meet in this podcast. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening.